What's at stake with the Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett? Matt Staver, the founder of Liberty Council, joins us today right here on the Christian Worldview radio program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news that all people can be reconciled to God through faith in who Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. I'm David Wheaton, the host, and our website is thechristianworldview.org. Now, as if this year and the upcoming national election needed yet another contentious issue, a seat on the U.S. Supreme Court has become vacant after the death of longtime Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ginsburg, or the notorious RBG as she was known, was a heroine to the left for her court opinions in favor of abortion, homosexual so-called marriage, and other liberal causes. But that she died in the waning months of President Trump's first term, giving him the opportunity to appoint a third Supreme Court justice, and not only that, but flip a liberal seat to a conservative one, this has literally caused the left to melt down. So what's the big deal about this? Why so much consternation on both sides of the political aisle? Should the president try to get his nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, confirmed before his first term expires? Or should the American people be allowed to decide through the election which candidate, Trump or former Vice President Joe Biden, will be able to fill that vacancy? This weekend on the Christian Worldview, Matt Staver, as I mentioned, the founder of Liberty Council, a nonprofit litigation, education, and policy organization dedicated to advancing religious freedom, the sanctity of life, and the family, joins us to discuss what's at stake with the Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. Let's get to the first segment of that interview. Matt, thank you for coming on the Christian Worldview today to talk about the Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. The first question in the debate the other night between President Trump and former Vice President Biden was about the the vacancy on the Supreme Court after the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. What are your thoughts on President Trump quickly moving to fill this seat before the election in light of the fact that Republicans back in 2016 wanted to delay the vacant seat being filled by Merrick Garland during the 2016 election when President Obama was in his final term? The Senate must do its job and review the nominee, and the president doesn't cease being president in the last year. In fact, what you see historically is of the 20 individuals who were nominated in the president's last year over history to serve on the Supreme Court, about 17, 18 of those were confirmed if the president and the Senate were of the same party. So that's what we have right now. And if it's the difference, if one party is different, either the White House or the Senate, the percent of those people who were confirmed is much lower. And that's what we had in 2016. But what we have now is what we've had historically, and that is a wide variety of people nominated in the last year, and overwhelmingly confirmation has occurred. And with regards to the time, it only was 23 days for Chief Justice John Roberts to be seated as the Chief Justice of the United States of America. So this is well within normal processes, and she should be confirmed as soon as possible. 
A lot has been made about the, quote, dying wish of Ruth Bader Ginsburg saying, I, I hope my vacancy will be filled after the election. Should that factor into this at all? Not at all. She's not the president. She's not the Senate. Uh, she's not an elected official. Uh, certainly, uh, we don't know if that is her dying wish, but even if it was, it's absolutely irrelevant. The Supreme Court, with eight justices, already met uh, on September the 29th during what they call the Super Conference. They will meet the first Monday of October to begin their new term. And they'll have only eight justices as they begin hearing oral arguments. There are some major cases that are coming before the Supreme Court. Many of them would be five, four decisions. And it's a complete waste of time. Plus, it's also a disservice to the American people to have only eight justices on the Supreme Court. Some of these are significant religious liberty cases. We have cases at Liberty Council pending at the U.S. Supreme Court. Next week, we'll actually be filing a petition with the Supreme Court to review one of the church cases that we have around the country. We need nine justices on that Supreme Court bench, not eight. Matt Staver with us today and the Christian Rovi, the founder of Liberty Council. Their website is lc.org. Matt, what do you know about Amy Coney Barrett? Seems like she has very high accolades, um, but there have been Republican appointees, even somewhat recently, who haven't necessarily adjudicated on the court as the way that a lot of conservatives thought. What do you think about Amy Coney Barrett? Amy Coney Barrett, I think, is a great uh, choice. In fact, you can't get much better. I don't think you can get any better than Amy Coney Barrett. The president did an, an excellent choice. She has been vetted for many years. Uh, she's someone who is incredibly uh, capable, both in the legal arena, from a constitutionalist, originalist perspective, which is what she is, but also from a personality perspective. So, for example, she's being nominated to fill Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat the most liberal activist uh, justice uh, that we've had in uh, this particular seat on the Supreme Court. On the other hand, she clerked for Justice Antonin Scalia. And uh, Justice Scalia was very good friends with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, yet they were diametrically opposite in their view of the law, but yet good friends. And if you look at Amy Coney Barrett, she is legally in line with Scalia, an originalist looking at the words and intent of the Constitution. But on the other hand, she gets along with other people of different views. And that's why uh, 49, all 49 faculty of Notre Dame, uh, different perspectives, some of them are very liberal, that joined in a letter to support her nomination to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. Every law clerk, 34 of them, when she clerked with uh, Scalia. These are people who clerked with other liberal justices. They all gathered together and said, we're practicing lawyers, and we highly recommend Amy Coney Barrett. We have disagreements on the law, but on the merits of who she is and her respect and intelligence and her grasp of the law, you can't get any uh, better than that. She was a professor at Notre Dame, and for three years she won the most distinguished professor award. Having been a law school dean myself, I know how difficult that is to win it once, let alone three times. She is incredibly accomplished. She's a mother of seven, two adopted children. Uh, her youngest son has Down syndrome. Uh, she's been able to balance uh, a wonderful relationship with her husband, Jesse, seven children, and yet uh, have this incredible legal career. And most of all, for our purposes, what we're concerned is, 
how would she approach the Constitution and the text? And she's been very clear both in her writings, her speaking, as well as her opinions that she will stick to the original words and intent of the Constitution and the text before her. That brings up the next question is about interpretation of the Constitution and so forth. And it seems like the the elephant in the room uh, on these appointments for justices to the Supreme Court is that their political philosophy determines how they view the law. Everyone knows Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a liberal and everyone knows now that Amy Coney Barrett is conservative. But why should that be when you're looking at the Constitution and the law? How is it possible to to come at such different perspectives on it, especially from the the non-textualist perspective where there's things read into it, like it's a living constitution? How, How is that framework work? Well, the problem is, is do you respect the Constitution or not? Uh, Ginsburg did not. Uh, She was on the wrong side of virtually every religious liberty claim to ever come before her. She voted against me when I argued the Ten Commandments case. She was on the wrong side of every abortion case. She's on the wrong side of the Second Amendment every time. Uh, She uh, is on the wrong side of religious autonomy within churches in terms of what they are able to do without government interference of their doctrine. So she was on the wrong side of so many things. In fact, when she spoke to uh, people in Egypt uh, at an event there, she recommended that they not follow the Constitution of the United States, but the Constitution of South Africa. Why? Because she doesn't respect our Constitution. And there's others that do that as well. So they don't really care what the words of the Constitution or text say. Amy Coney Barrett is just exactly the opposite. The Constitution is her guide. Whether she has personal views this way or that way is irrelevant. What is only relevant is what the Constitution says, what does it mean, and consequently, um, that's also for statutes as well. What you really need is a real umpire that stands behind the plate and calls the balls and strikes as they come across the plate, not someone who wants to jump into the game, run the bases, or change the rules in the middle of the game. That's what a good judge does. They're a passive recipient of whatever comes before them, and they are constrained by the Constitution and the statute that's before them to interpret. Matt Staver with us today, the founder of Liberty Council, talking about the Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. The left reacted to President Trump saying he was going to quickly nominate a judge. Of course, the explosive part is that this seat's going to flip you know, from a liberal justice to a conservative justice. So the left is just threatening, literally threatening death and destruction if Trump tries to, to put this through. Why is that? Is there potential that Amy Coney Barrett being on the court could overturn Roe v. Wade. President Trump didn't seem to intimate that the other night in the debate, and I'm wondering why. Well, because you'd never want to say what a judge is going to do on a particular decision. I mean, that's uh, not appropriate for them to say or for the president to say, yeah, the judge is going to vote this way or a judge is going to vote that way. What the judge is going to do and what Amy Coney Barrett has indicated through her whole history is she's going to be constrained by the Constitution. Now you ask the question, is abortion in the Constitution? The answer is fairly straightforward, no. But you can't prejudge what direction any judge or justice will go. It's not something that has ever uh, been done. Certainly they're going to try to ask her on that. But I I think, you know, from a pure legal standpoint, you look at the Constitution. uh, Is is same-sex marriage in the Constitution? No. Is the Second Amendment in the Constitution? Yes. Um, So you have uh, religious freedom. Should that be protected, highly protected? Absolutely. 
should the government be able to interfere with a church's uh, decision on hiring somebody consistent with their doctrine? No, that's a church autonomy issue. Uh, that's a free exercise of religion. That prohibits the government also from establishing a religion under the First Amendment. So a lot of these questions that are big social issues would be fairly easy to address if you just simply constrained yourself to the Constitution. But there's other statutes as well that the court interprets that are not constitutional issues, and the same holds true there. If you entered into an agreement with a bank to purchase a, a house, for example, and you had certain terms and conditions and, and interest rates and so forth, and once you sign the agreement, you're going along for a few years and the bank just unilaterally wants to change the, the, the words and uh, increase your monthly payments. And you say, no, you, you can't do that. The, the word here says this particular uh, amount. And they say, well, that, that doesn't really uh, matter. That was good for when we signed it back then, but we're going to reinterpret it. That's the problem that we have with these judicial activists. They jump off the Constitution, they run away from the text, and they just impose their own idea. And if you want to do that, go run for a political office where there's the, the debate and, and you're responsive to the people. But you shouldn't put on a black robe and sit behind a bench. Our guest today on the Christian Worldview is Matt Staver, the founder of Liberty Council. Their website is lc.org. This would be a great organization to get on their email list to keep up with these issues going on. And this is a major one we're talking about today, that there's a Supreme Court vacancy after the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and that President Trump is here toward the end of his first term and has an opportunity to flip that seat uh, and again, it always comes down to worldview. Isn't that amazing? Always comes down to really even theology, your view of God, because that affects your worldview. And that f- seat being flipped is a major development for Christians, religious liberty, the Second Amendment, freedom of speech, all these decisions that are made by the Supreme Court. That This happening right now is a major, major significant moment in America. We'll come back and talk more. The Bible says that children should be raised in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There's nothing more important than sitting, walking, talking, and teaching your son or daughter to love and fear God. The church is swimming in children's resources, but it's ultra important to select ones that accurately represent God, His Word, and the Gospel. At our store on thechristianworldview.org, We are intentional about offering resources that will build a sound and strong faith in children. You will find several Bibles for children, the Adam Raccoon book series, and Good News for Little Hearts series. We also have video and audio resources like Theo and Sugar Creek Gang. Browse them all at thechristianworldview.org and then use them daily with the child God has put in your life. That's thechristianworldview.org. The Christian Worldview radio program airs live Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time. But did you know you can also listen according to your own schedule? One simple way to hear past programs is at our website, thechristianworldview.org. You'll also find short takes there, which are bite-sized highlights of each program. Beyond our website, you can search for The Christian Worldview in the podcast app on your smartphone and subscribe for free. The program is also available at OnePlace.com, SermonAudio.com, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you need help navigating the online podcast realm, just give us a call, toll-free, 1-888-646-2233, or follow the links on the homepage of thechristianworldview.org. 
Because when believers have a sharper biblical worldview and non-believers come to saving faith, lives and families are changed for the glory of God. Thank you for listening. Before getting back to our interview with Matt Staver of Liberty Council about what's at stake with the Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett, a few thank yous are in order from us, the Christian Realview, to you, uh, particularly to the listeners of uh, the Word FM 100.7 in Colorado Springs, KGFT. We have been, as we did a support day last week, we've been very behind on that station for a pretty long time. And I want to thank all the supporters there who have become monthly partners uh, to help keep uh, this broadcast on the air. We are we are close to having enough uh, so support uh, to be able to, uh, to remain there. We're, we've decided to remain there, so thank you for that. We could you know get a little more to have full support, but we're very thankful for the response. Um, people becoming monthly partners. And by the way, you can become a monthly partner of any amount. This doesn't need to be a large amount. You would be surprised how much, you know, 10 or $20 a month makes a huge difference uh, in our budgeting for uh, paying for airtime on the various stations and networks that we broadcast on around the country. So thank you to the listeners of uh, the Word FM 100.7 and KGFT. And also other, we heard from many other listeners around the country to listen to other stations and networks that became monthly partners. So thank you very much. We appreciate your support. Uh, it's an answer to prayer, and uh, we're going to keep on doing, by God's grace, what we try to do every week uh, to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Today in the program, we are talking about the Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. Our guest is Matt Staver. Uh, Matt's been around for a long time. He's a constitutional attorney. Uh, he's well-versed on exactly the topic we're talking about today. Their website is lc.org. Let's get back to the second segment of that interview. I know there's no religious test to be on the Supreme Court, but Amy Coney Barrett seems to be a fairly committed conservative Roman Catholic. And you see that Roman Catholics like her get nominated or are in various places in government and nominated for the court. You don't see that as frequently or perhaps at all in the Supreme Court with, let's say, a born-again evangelical Christian. Is that a misperception? And if not, why don't we see more evangelical Christians who have the same legal viewpoint as Amy Coney Barrett getting these opportunities? I don't think that that's a misperception. If you just look at who's on the bench, you've got Catholics and Jews in terms of their background. Justice Ginsburg is somebody who was Jewish, but she wasn't somebody who was like an Orthodox practicing mm -hmm. uh, Jew. She was more ethnicity uh, mm -hmm. than Jew. Yeah, we do have that current uh, makeup. We have some others that have been put on other uh, benches that the president does. Obviously, very strong evangelicals. Uh, there are very strong evangelicals that were uh, in the top running. Uh, Barbara Lagoa and, and others rushing uh, was on the Fourth Circuit. A strong evangelical is, is one example of an evangelical. And she was one of the top three that was being chosen. But Amy Coney Barrett has incredible credentials in every way, and she has a longer track record so that you can uh, essentially you know, mm -hmm. figure out where is she and what's her judicial philosophy. And yep. that's, that's the most important thing. President Trump, before he nominated her, said it's going to be a woman. I have no problem with a woman being on the Supreme Court, but why did it have to be a, a woman? In other words, that seems more like a worldview of the left that we have to have a certain makeup of gender, uh, ethnicity, and that kind of thing. 
is there an advantage or disadvantage to having a, a, someone of a different sex on the court, or, or why is that relevant? I think it's only relevant from a confirmation standpoint in terms of there would be even greater pushback from those. I mean, this is going to be a very tight vote, and and it is a very critical uh, position to fill. I mean, it would be incredible to have a Judge Barrett on the bench. Uh, I think you would have from those that are wanting to oppose anything that President Trump does even more pushback if it was not a female. But aside from being male or female, Amy Coney Barrett really has no peers, male or female. She's she's at the top of the top. So he didn't just uh, do what uh, Reagan did. Reagan uh, just wanted a female. He put O'Connor on the bench. Well, she wasn't the best, and obviously she turned out to be terrible uh, in many respects. And uh, President Trump is looking at judicial philosophy, unlike any previous Republican president in, in our history or our modern history, looking at judicial philosophy. That's his uh, focus, and uh, that's why he chose Amy Coney Barrett. Now, let's switch just gears a bit because you mentioned earlier in an interview about the fact that it's important to have nine justices on the Supreme Court, especially with the election coming up. And the election may come up, may be contested. There's all kinds of accusations and allegations of voter fraud, potential for mail-in voting. Do you anticipate, Matt, that there is going to be a lengthy and complex legal challenge after this election, no matter who, who seemingly wins? That's a certain possibility. I don't know. I pray that it doesn't happen. We were involved in five weeks of nonstop litigation in 2000 with the Bush versus Gore litigation. It wasn't pretty, and I sure hope we don't have to go through something like that again. I am very concerned, however, about election fraud with all the mail-in ballots, with ballots that you see tossed away in in dumpsters, uh, with the fraud that we've seen uncovered in Minnesota, Mm -hmm. uh, where they're Uh, gathering um, against the law these uh, ballots uh, of the elderly and then just um, changing them to a a Democratic vote. I'm very, very concerned about that. Uh, People have to understand that this mail-in voting is different than absentee ballot that we have had for some time. There's a lot more security uh, protection in absentee ballots, but mail-in voting doesn't have the same constraints. I'm very concerned about it. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But obviously, that's another reason we need nine justices on the bench. Yeah. Matt Staver again with us today in the Christian Worldview. Just a few more questions for you, Matt. The difference in worldview between these candidates and parties, is it an overstatement to say that constitutional, more traditional America is truly under threat with the current Democrat Party today with Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, others? Chuck Schumer, minority leader, I believe, in the Senate, said recently about granting statehood to Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. That would give them four more likely uh, Democrat senators. That would create a majority uh, right now in the Senate. Also trying to increase the number, if they take power in the presidency, trying to increase the number of the Supreme Court justices. So, so there's not nine. There could be, let's say, 13. You could put on four or five uh, extra liberal justices. Is, is that your perception that there, there is really an existential threat to the traditional constitutional way of life in America, depending on this election? There's no question about that. No question about it. Um, the Democratic Party is not the Democratic Party of the past. What they have done, beginning with Obama and, and certainly uh, in the last several years, they have allowed the radical, radical, extreme socialist Marxist anarchist, hating America organizations and people to have a voice, and they haven't tried to temper them. They've tried to placate them, and those are now 
they have now become the dog wagging the tail, which is the party. And that is a very radical fringe group, uh, and yet it has become the main uh, focus of the party. If you look, for example, at the cases that we're litigating across the country, we're in 44 states, a couple thousand pastors, uh, six different cases pending at the Court of Appeals regarding these church restrictions. What does it have in common? Every one of these cases and every other one where you have the most severe restrictions on churches, you have a state that has a Democratic governor who is radically pro-abortion, who also publicly endorses uh, the rioters and protesters, but in many cases the riots and even the destruction of their own uh, cities in their state. That's the difference. That's the stark contrast that you have, this anarchist do anything at any cost to ultimately uh, destroy the country in order to gain political power. And once they gain political power, all the agencies, everything else will be focused against everyone that uh, they disagree with, and they will come after uh, people with different views with a vengeance uh, because there is a hate America, hate Christianity, boot it to the side, tear down the country mentality, constitution is outdated kind of mentality uh, that's out there. So it, it is a very radical decision. I encourage people, look, a presidential race is not a personality contest. It is a policy contest. And on the policies, there is no question of the stark differences between President Trump and the Democratic uh, Party. You have the most in President Trump in the last uh, three and a half years, the most – I'm talking about policies, pro-life, pro-religious liberty, pro-America, pro-law enforcement, uh, pro-economic uh, development, pro-Israel president in American history. I'm talking about add all the previous presidents together and all the things that they've accomplished in our lifetime going back several decades and there's no president that comes close to what he has done in three and a half years. And yet many evangelicals who are typically a strong supporter of this president will say, especially younger evangelicals influenced by organizations that are uh, trying to move the evangelical church more toward the social justice side of things, will say, look at his debate. He's a interrupter. He's a narcissist. What do you say to the person out there just is turned off by the president's personality and personal behavior, kind of runs roughshod and so forth, as to why he's worthy of voting for despite those things in comparison to the other side? Okay. Matt Staver will answer that question, which is, I think, a very relevant one in this particular election cycle with uh, two personalities. Trump's got a very, very strong uh, roughshod personality. We could see it in the debate uh, this week. We'll talk about that later in the program, the debate. But Matt Staver, our guest, the founder of Liberty Council, will answer that after this second break of the day here on the Christian Realview radio program. I hope you heard that last answer he just gave about uh, is America – uh, truly under uh, threat to our constitutional, traditional way of life if, if this uh, radical worldview of the Democrat Party takes power in this country. And he was unequivocal. I mean, he didn't, he didn't kind of hedge and haw about it. He said, absolutely yes. And this is a man who's working on cases before the Supreme Court and other courts all the time about the attack on Christianity, Christian values in this country. So stay tuned. Much more coming up on the Christian Realview. 
We'll return right after this. I'm David Wheaton. There's an abundance of Christian resources available, but the reality is that many of them, even some of the most popular, do not lead to a sound and strong faith. While there's only one perfect book, a key aim of the Christian worldview is to identify and offer resources that are biblically faithful and deepen your walk with God. In our online store, we have a wide range of resources for all ages, adult and children's books and DVDs, Bibles and devotionals, unique gifts, and more. So browse our store at thechristianworldview.org and find enriching resources for yourself, family, friends, small group, or church. You can also order by calling toll-free 1-888-646-2233. That's 1-888-646-2233. Or visit thechristianworldview.org. Be sure to take advantage of two free resources that will keep you informed and sharpen your worldview. The first is the Christian Worldview Weekly Email, which comes to your inbox each Friday. It contains a preview of the upcoming radio program, along with need-to-read articles, featured resources, special events, and audio of the previous program. The second is the Christian Worldview Annual Print Letter, which is delivered to your mailbox in November. It contains a year-end letter from host David Wheaton and a listing of our store items, including DVDs, books, children's materials, and more. You can sign up for the weekly email and annual print letter by visiting thechristianworldview.org or calling 1-888-646-2233. Your email and mailing address will never be shared, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Call 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org. To think biblically and live Accordingly, that's what we aim to do every weekend here on the Christian Realview radio program as we analyze topics from a biblical perspective and then don't just think about it, try to live it out in our personal lives as well. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for all of you who support this ministry of the Christian Realview and write us such encouraging notes all the time. Let me just say sometimes we don't get a chance to answer everyone, but we do see everything that comes in and read everything that comes in, whether through the mail or email. So Keep those coming, and we thank you very much uh, for supporting the Christian Worldview. Uh, today in the program, uh, Matt Staver is our guest. If you just joined us, Matt is a constitutional attorney and the founder of Li- Liberty Council, has argued cases before the Supreme Court. Uh, he's been around for a long time uh, doing these kinds of things. And I'm very thankful for people like Matt who are able to defend uh, some of the values and and rights that we have enshrined into our Constitution. And today's topic is we're, we're discussing what's at stake with the Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. And we have just a short time left with Matt, and we'll get into some summary comments. So let's get back to the remaining moments with Matt Staver. Many evangelicals who are typically a strong supporter of this president 
will say, especially younger evangelicals, influenced by organizations that are uh, trying to move the evangelical church more toward the social justice side of things, will say, look at his debate. He's a interrupter. He's a narcissist. What do you say to the person out there just is turned off by the president's personality and personal behavior, kind of runs roughshod and so forth, as to why he's worthy of voting for despite those things in comparison to the other side? We've elected presidents before because they've been able to speak nice rhetoric. And they get into office and they want your vote, but then they don't listen to you when you're in office. We've had presidents before that could have appointed justices that would overturn Roe versus Wade, that would be adhering to the Constitution. We've had presidents before who wanted to move the embassy uh, to uh, Jerusalem in Israel. They've promised that. They make promises and they don't do anything. You know, we need to separate rhetoric from action, personality from policies. On policies and action, President Trump has no peers. And I can tell you that from the fact that we have every day, we have an office in Washington, D.C., as well as other places around the country. But every day we are working with all levels of the White House, uh, the administration, the Congress, and the agencies, every day we see a stark difference. I argue, I just did, I've got five oral arguments coming in at the Court of Appeals. I can tell you there is a night and day difference between the judges that President Trump has put on the bench versus previous Republicans and, and previous Democrats in terms of their um, adherence to the Constitution. It makes a huge difference. And if somebody says, I'm not going to vote, look, you don't have the option to say, I'm not going to vote. And you don't have the option to throw away your vote. As Christians and certainly people, we live in America. It is a duty for us to be able to vote. If you vote for someone who's going to allow the killing of human life, then that is going to be imputed to you because voting is appointing an agent to act on your behalf. And what that agent does in terms of policies is imputed to you, especially if you have some knowledge in advance. And we clearly know where these candidates stand on abortion. On the other hand, if, if you say, I'm not going to vote because there's no perfect candidate on the, on, the, on the ballot, then you're letting somebody else to act as an agent for you. Look, if you have the opportunity to save a child from a brutal, horrific death, and I'm talking about just one, but millions of children, and you don't do it, or you throw away your vote, God help us. God help you when you have to be accountable uh, to that, um, because that's the kind of thing that we have on the ballot. We have life and death on the ballot. And if we say, oh, well, I didn't like this tweet, I didn't like that statement, so what? Are you going to stand with defenseless human children? Are you going to stand for religious freedom? Are you going to stand for freedom in America? Stop getting confused with what you see in the media and start thinking about policy and how it actually is enacted and what it does for our country. You know, we have an opportunity right now. We have an opportunity to change the future of the United States of America, both with this confirmation of Justice Amy Coney Barrett and also this upcoming election. And I'm not just talking about president. I'm talking about president on down to all your local uh, politicians as well. 
Matt, you encapsulated that so well, and we thank you for that strong exhortation to uh, close the interview today. We we wish all of God's best and grace to you in, in your practice at Liberty Council. Keep up the great work you're doing there, and we thank you for coming on the Christian Worldview Radio Program today. Thank you. My pleasure. And for more information, people can follow us or go to our website, lc.org. That's just lc.org. Thank and you for having me. You're welcome. We highly encourage them to do that. Thanks again, Matt. Okay, hope you uh, gained from that interview with Matt Staver, and, and I think he's right there in the last thing he said just about voting particularly. Um, of course, you know, we don't get a perfect candidate, uh, but there's such a clear distinction, and, and for Christians to have the opportunity to, to uh, invest and vote uh, in a particular candidate, it, it makes a big difference downstream of what they're going to do. And I, I have been, I will admit that I, I've been very pleasantly surprised uh, by how conservative um, President Trump has been in, in in office. Now, again, he's not the most conservative. There are things you could point out. There's been some things with LGBTQ issues, but you'd have to you'd have to really, if you look at the the big picture of it, uh, he's been, I think, just about the most conservative president in my lifetime. The only one that would rival him would be President Reagan. Now, while Reagan was much more of a statesman in the way he his personality. Um, from a policy standpoint, uh, gee, I, I think it would be you could make the case that President Trump is even more conservative than President Reagan. And, that, and that's really saying something because he was the conservative stalwart of the, the last half of the, the 20th century. So uh, and it's surprising that where you know President Trump was was his reputation and known for being. He was supported Democrats uh, back when he was a businessman in New York City and so forth. And his his personal life, you you wouldn't. I don't think anyone would have predicted just how conservative he has actually been uh, in office. And so um, I think it's worth uh, your looking into the, these organizations like Liberty Council and there's other ones who do. Uh, legal work on behalf of for constitutional issues, religious liberty, uh, th- this civil rights. Uh, they're from a conservative standpoint, like Alliance Defending Freedom, Pacific Justice Institute, Thomas More Society. I don't know all the particulars and how they differ from from each other, but it would probably be worth you if you're looking for an organization to support, uh, looking into these and seeing the differences and, and maybe allocating. Uh, some support these these organizations, and I'll just mention Liberty Council here because we had Matt on today. They do tremendous work, uh, important work, saves people's literally lives uh, from the the tyranny of government, uh, trying to take away their constitutional rights. So we're very thankful for Matt and Liberty Council and what what they do. Um, one thing that was interesting that came up with the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett was the fact that. You know, she's Roman Catholic. We mentioned that in the interview, but she has seven kids. Matt mentioned this one with Down syndrome and and two of her children are adopted from Haiti. They're black children and she adopted from Haiti. Now, you would think that, wow, what a what an incredible person to not only have five of her own, as if that's not enough children, it's hard to take care of and have this incredible legal career. And, And by the way. We shouldn't look at Amy Coney Barrett and say, well, she's married. She has seven children, two adopted, and she's got she's going to be in the Supreme Court. You know, I, I think God uh, gifts very few people to be able to do something like that. You can imagine if you're a parent, if if you work and so forth, how hard that is. And, and some people are just gifted with either the energy and time management or, or the intellect or whatever. That's not for everyone. And I say that because Scripture talks about the 
the, the greatest honor and privilege for a woman is to be married and raising children in a home. That's the highest calling in the world. And, and it's very difficult. That's a hard job in and of itself, maybe the hardest. And then also to have a legal career and be going to the Supreme Court, it's just it's almost incomprehensible. But all of this say is God gives some people uh, the energy and abilities to do that. And not everyone has the same things. And people who aren't doing that, who are just focusing on raising their kids and the discipline and instruction in their home, that's a super worthwhile as well. You don't need to be in the Supreme Court uh, to have some higher meaning in life. But anyway, to her family, there has been, of course, criticism from the left uh, regarding the fact that she's white and she adopted, she and her husband adopted two black children from Haiti. Uh, particularly one person started this. His name is Professor Ibram X. Kendi. And, uh, well, the Federalist writes he's a top proponent of the racist critical race theory, and he's the author of the best-selling book. And maybe you've seen this book. I've seen it at bookstores, How to Be an Anti-Racist. Uh, that term, anti-racist, is a loaded term that we need to look into at some point. But that, that's becoming a very popular term among Black Lives Matter. You can't just be you know colorblind. You need to be an anti-racist. You need, you need to be against the things – that they deem to be racist. And, of course, what they deem to be racist is you're a racist if you're white. He's also, by the way, a CBS network contributor. And the, the story says he attacked President Donald Trump's likely Supreme Court nominee. This is Ibram Kendi, remember that name, federal judge Amy Coney Barrett, as a white supremacist on this past Saturday for adopting two children from Haiti. Here's what he said, Ibram Kendi said in his tweet, some White colonizers adopted black children. They, quote, civilized these, quote, savage children in the superior ways of white people while using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity. That is just perfectly captures, encapsulates what this whole uh, world of critical race theory believes. Amy Coney Barrett, they could never have just adopted these children because they, it's, it, it's a, uh, a calling that they felt in their lives to help those who couldn't be helped in an orphanage in Haiti. They couldn't have done it for, for good reasons. Well, they must be racist for doing so to try to cover up their own racism. There's the worldview of today's left, everyone, if you need to, need to understand a little more. We'll come back after this on the Christian Worldview. The Christian Worldview radio program airs live Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time. But did you know you can also listen according to your own schedule? One simple way to hear past programs is at our website, thechristianworldview.org. You'll also find short takes there, which are bite-sized highlights of each program. Beyond our website, you can search for The Christian Worldview in the podcast app on your smartphone and subscribe for free. The program is also available at OnePlace.com, SermonAudio.com, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you need help navigating the online podcast realm, just give us a call, toll-free, 1-888-646-2233, or follow the links on the homepage of thechristianworldview.org. Because when believers have a sharper biblical worldview and non-believers come to saving faith, Lives and families are changed for the glory of God. Thank you for listening. 
There's an abundance of Christian resources available, but the reality is that many of them, even some of the most popular, do not lead to a sound and strong faith. While there's only one perfect book, a key aim of the Christian worldview is to identify and offer resources that are biblically faithful and deepen your walk with God. In our online store, we have a wide range of resources for all ages, adult and children's books and DVDs, Bibles and devotionals, unique gifts, and more. So browse our store at thechristianworldview.org and find enriching resources for yourself, family, friends, small group, or church. You can also order by calling toll-free 1-888-646-2233. That's one 646 or visit thechristianworldview.org. Thanks for joining us on The Christian Worldview today. This is the final segment of the day. If you miss any of the program, the interview with Matt Staver, you can always go to our website, thechristianrealview.org. We put up the programs after they air live on Saturday mornings. Uh, the program is also available for podcast. You can find out how to do that there. You just go to your podcast app on your phone and search for The Christian Realview. The Christian Realview is also on oneplace.com. So it's very widely available. Uh, if you don't hear the program live, you want to listen on your own time. So today we've been talking about what's at stake with the Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. And then one of the, the, the criticisms of her, by, by the way, this is a very influential person. This isn't some fringe person, this Ibram X. Kendi. He's a, a best-selling author, How to Be an Anti-Racist. He's a CBS contributor, and he's an advocate or proponent of the critical race theory, which has become the worldview on the left that sees uh, society as inherently divided into identity, identity groups and white and males and Christians are the oppressors, and uh, you're a racist if you're white just because you're part of the system. You don't even know it. You don't even you don't even know about you. You you may not be a racist, but you are, and and that's what they're saying. And that's exactly what he says in his tweet after after uh, finding out about Amy Coney Barrett having seven kids and two of them are black, adopted from Haiti. Here's what he says. I'll read the tweet again. White colonizers quote adopted black children. They, quote, civilized these, quote, savage children in their, quote, superior ways. And he put all those quotes in there, in the superior ways of white people, while using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial, while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity. That, that just so perfectly encapsulates the worldview of, of the left today. Just per, he just did it perfectly there in the way they perceive race and everything else. And, and the problem with that is it's not so much Ibram Kendi writing these things. The problem is there, there's, a, there's a vestige of this. There's influence of that critical race theory worldview that bleeds, has bled, and is bleeding and infecting uh, the, the, the Christian church in, in this country today. So many of the younger evangelicals are believing this critical race theory that they were, they were indoctrinated with. Uh, in schools and higher education, you see it. We have it coming in, trying to be pushed into our local school district here in Minnesota right now. Many districts around the area, same thing. Equity education, anti-racist education. It's all the same, the same faulty, unbiblical worldview. And I'll play a soundbite here of how it's bled into even the highest levels of the Christian influencer realm. 
Tim Keller, a very well-known uh, Christian uh, pastor from New York City, a well-known author, has written many books. He's the founder of the Gospel Coalition, a very influential organization. Here's what he said recently. Now, just notice the things he's saying, how much crossover and how somewhat like what Ibrahim Kendi said about white people. A friend of mine recently, was, uh, who's a pastor, was talking to a Norwegian uh, man who had just moved into his, to his community and went to his church. And at one point he heard uh, the pastor talking about the fact that uh, uh, we, were, we were all complicit in creating this narrative that uh, uh, black people are dangerous, etc. And so we're complicit in this. Afterwards, the, white, the, the, the Norwegian came up and said, no, 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 that's, I'm, I'm Norwegian. <laughs> no, had nothing to do with it. And, and, <laughs> my, uh, and my pastor friend said, uh, studies have shown, have pretty much proven, that if you have white skin, it's worth a million dollars over a lifetime over somebody who doesn't have white skin. And that's because of historical forces that uh, have come about. And at this point, you know, you, you could go at it several ways. One, as I mentioned, if you have that asset of white skin right now, historical asset, then you actually have to say, I, I didn't deserve this. And also, I'm, to some degree, I'm the product of, uh, I'm standing on the shoulders of other people who got that through injustice. So uh, the Bible actually says, yes, you do, you do, you are um, involved in injustice. And even if you didn't actually do it, therefore you have a responsibility, not just to say, well, you know, maybe if, I get around to it. Maybe we could do something about the poor people out there. No, you're, you're part of the problem. If you do actually let your, your understanding of responsibility be shaped by the Bible instead of American individualism. Um, Asians, I think I would say the same thing. In a way, I would say the Norwegians. Uh, the fact is that Asians and Latinos and African-Americans, because of the background, because of the, the history difference, you actually are coming in at different levels. I mean... I think I'd have to just go fragment sentence by sentence through that particular quote to try to pull out all that he said. Now, he sounds very nice. He said it in a very calm tone of voice. But did you hear what he was actually saying in that particular soundbite, that we're all complicit in the oppression of black people, that studies show that white skin is worth a million dollars, that historical forces and the asset of white skin and standing on the shoulders of previous oppressors. And I, I couldn't even keep up writing all the things that were, were in it. And it got worse as it went on. And you, you think about that worldview, how unbiblical that worldview is coming from. Do you ever hear anything like that, by the way, in the Bible? That's how you can discern whether that's right or wrong. Does the Bible ever frame life in just what he said in that particular sound might? And the answer is, I've never seen it anywhere in the Bible. The Bible is for justice, but there's never any modifier before it of social justice, racial justice, all these things he's talking about there. And yet, highly respected, highly influential man, Tim Keller, influencing the broad evangelical community in this world, wrote the, wrote the article in the New York Times and somewhat recently on his Facebook page about that Christians shouldn't be aligning with a particular uh, political party. Uh, and they can really they, there's good reasons to, you could you could make cases to vote either way, and I, I have a feeling that that someone like him being that influential uh, makes a big difference, particularly for those who are of the younger generation who've been getting this not only through listening to the Gospel Coalition, Tim Keller uh, sermons, reading his books, and so forth, but by going to evangelical Christian schools. 
uh, where they get this kind of thing, where the professors there, you know, they're just regular people who've been educated, who go to regular churches and are influenced by um, the culture in certain uh, Christian voices as well. So you know, they're, not, they're not immune to being influenced by this. And, and, and this is why there's such a departure uh, from sound biblical Christianity, because you are a product of your influences. That is so key. Jesus said himself, you, you become like your teacher. You can't exceed your teacher. Your teachers are important in life. Who is influencing you? And with that kind of influence, we just heard in that soundbite, that has a very, very major effect. So we uh, maybe at some other point in time, we'll have an opportunity to go through that particular soundbite and pull out what he's actually, it's obvious what he's saying, but to really try to show against Scripture why what he's saying is really like what Ibrahim Kendi is saying, that you're, you're, you're just racist because you're born with white skin. Uh, the Bible says that you're, n- you're not responsible for the sins of another. You're responsible for your own sins before God. And so we all stand before the judgment seat of God to, to give an account of the things we have done, not others have done. Wow. Anyway, thank you for joining us today on the Christian Real View radio program. We live in a, a challenging and changing world. But the good news is this. There is one thing we can always count on and trust in. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and his word, they are the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's salvation through him, and there's truth in your worldview through him and his word. Until next time, think biblically and live accordingly. We hope today's broadcast turned your heart toward God, his word, and his son. To order a CD copy of today's program or sign up for our free weekly email or to find out how you can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, go to our website, thechristianworldview.org or call us toll free at 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a weekly one-hour radio program that is furnished by the Overcomer Foundation and is supported by listeners and sponsors. Request one of our current resources with your donation of any amount. Go to thechristianworldview.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-646-2233 or write to us at Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview. Until next time, think biblically and live accordingly.